oh, the reckless love of God. Um, I was just reminded of a picture from the Song of Solomon's of the woman who's, um, she, she peers out the window and she sees her beloved leaping mountains, leaping mountains, and then he draws close and now he's at the wall. And uh, it says it's, it's the wall that she put up and he's peering through it. He says, come with me, my darling, come away with me. And she doesn't respond. And then next minute, there's a knocking at the door. Come away with me, come away with me, my darling one. And she says, do you expect me to get dirty? I've just cleaned. I've just taken a bath. Do you expect me again to get dressed and come out? And what stuns me every time is that there's no response as such. That it's always that invites of will you come away with me? This energetic love that takes hold of us. And it comes down to will I go or do I want to stay comfortable where I am? Because it's convenient here. And does he really expect me to give any more? And he doesn't say a word. And I believe today he's back and he's knocking. And I want to remind us today of the love that was poured out for us and how he took hold of us, how he lay hold of us. Because if we have a, a conviction of how he lay hold of us, of humanity, of us as individuals, we will lay hold of him completely. Um, so I want to open up to Philippians um, 3, and we're just going to look at 12 to 16. And um, I just, yeah, I just want to unpack this scripture, and it's, it's just so powerful, but um, I'm I want us to hear Christ speaking to us in this. Um, so verse 12 says, Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on, thank you, that I may lay hold of that for which Christ lay hold of me. That I may lay hold of that which Christ lay hold of me. These words have gripped me. Verse 13, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do is forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to the things ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call, the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. 15, verse 15. Therefore let us as many as us, oh, sorry, as many as are mature have this mind. And if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Beautiful. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule and let us be of the same mind. These words lay hold of, like I said, have totally gripped me over the last few months. And um, I think why it gripped me was because it, it, 
caused me to reminisce the early days in which Christ took hold of me. It, it's by Paul using the words lay hold of, it gave me permission to go, yes, actually, that's what happened. That's, that's how I would describe my encounter. It was a laying hold of. And so I say, yes, and amen. And the words lay hold of can be used in the same manner as receive. So in Romans 15, it says, um, receive one another as Christ received you. Or when Jesus is on the cross and um, he, he sees Mary and Mary's, you know, broken. And he says to John, lay hold of her, take hold of her. And it, in the Greek, it literally means take to oneself, okay? And the root of it talks about a strong action, a strong action. And so I want to um, talk about the strong action towards us that God took and takes with us. Um, when I received Christ, it was not a light and lofty thought. It was the personal power and presence of Christ that took hold of my heart and the possession of my life. It, it was literally like a hands-on experience that where um, instantly deeply and innately, <laughs> it's the only way I could describe it, I became aware that I was now alive to God. It was, it was a total inside experience that now I am alive to God and I am dead to sin. And I won't ever forget where I was, the room I was standing in, um, when I comprehended that I now belonged <laughs> to the king of the universe. It was such a laying hold of that I, I could hardly look up. The presence was so thick that it, it, it was overwhelming. And the contrast of life without Christ and Christ is life <laughs> is like a complete change of scenery and location. I mean, the contrast is that contrast, a change of scenery, a change of location, out of darkness into the light of Christ. The purpose of life for me became clear. And so, as Paul says, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, this is us speaking to us today. Let's remember and let's deeply consider what Christ has done for us how he lay hold of humanity, and how he took the church to himself. Okay, hands-on, firm, strong action towards us through his birth, his ministry, his betrothal, his death, and his resurrection. Because let's think about it, guys. God didn't just think about saving us. Okay, it wasn't a, a cool thought that stayed as a thought right? He, he did it, and it was not this tired, obligated action. God the Father spared no cost and no efforts or effort when he sent his one and only son to the earth. 
And listen, it was not this peaceful birth when Christ came, okay? The enemy knew that the king had just stepped foot on his domain and was about to take hold of what is his, his possession, his people. And the stars, you know, they were declaring war. It was on. Strong affirmative action was taking place. There was no passivity in the ministry of Jesus. His invite didn't come with an array of comfortable and suitable options. No, it came with a severe loyalty that he was looking for. It was like a sword that came dividing households, disturbing relationships, causing upheaval in the political and religious arena. Not some light-hearted action, okay? It was a hands-on experience. His humble entrance on the donkey into the city when the people were calling, Hosanna, Hosanna, with loud applause. And it's, you know, we know that the Messiah didn't come to conquer land and reign over land, but he came to reign over hearts. Yet there was no applause for that. In fact, they took him to the cross. Okay? Took him to the cross instead. <laughs> Jesus died and the veil tore and there was darkness. And when he rose again, he appeared as the resurrected Christ. And even then, I, you know, this is interesting. A few weeks ago I was reading. Even then, it was only then that James, his own brother, came to believe that his brother was the Messiah. Only then. You see, guys, this is not just special effects. <laughs> this is the effect of the lion laying hold of his people, demonstrated by a lamb. Affirmative, strong action towards us. This knowledge of understanding what Christ did in a real way in us needs to be foundational and the sustainer of our thinking in the new kingdom. This is what's required in our new birth is to have received and take Christ as our own because he took us as his, even when we were sinners. The new kingdom we're born into requires us to be apprehended by Christ himself. Apprehended means to be taken hold firmly, to make one's own. By Christ's holy power and influence, he lays hold of our human hearts, our minds, and our will where he can prompt us and govern us and guide us into glory. And he has the right to possess all, right? Because he took hold of all. And he filled the earth from heaven to hell and hell to heaven. Okay? As our apostle, which is the representative of God to the people, and as our high priest, the representative of the people to God, he filled every space, Every ground, every realm, from top to bottom, bottom to top, filled every empty space, desolate space, wasted space. He filled for his glory. So he has every right to possess all. 
and to take hold of all. Our humble and exalted King who was and is is God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. It says this in Philippians and it, it stuns me to think that God, the Almighty, left his place of glory and did not um, take into account all the, the benefits, the prerogatives, the, the glory that came with being equal with God. He didn't retain it and keep it to himself, but he relinquished it. He left it all to come and be with us. The reality of Christ becoming a bondservant, binding himself to humanity, to us. Who is like that? And so is it a big call to be asked to be a bondservant to Christ? To, to humanly, as humans, bind ourselves to the divine? <laughs> Why wouldn't we? Jesus was not just a man, but through intimacy with the Father and the power of God in him, he demonstrated how we could live, and he made a way for us to do that. Set us all free. In Christ, God literally came to us and took hold of us while we were still sinners and set in motion the power of redemption. From slave to bride. I don't know about you guys, but that, that is my reality. From slave to bride. And I have been treated as bride ever since. And so, I don't see the bride as a, a far-off picture. I am learning from Christ by his treatment, his kindness towards me that I am a bride, I am his bride. And that's why I love Hosea 6.3. It says, come and let us return to the Lord, for he has torn, but he will heal us. <laughs> if life doesn't tear you apart, he might need to take hold of you and tear a few things down, but he will heal you and bind you up again. Bound? Bind? Not bound up, but you know what I mean, bind you up. <laughs> he is stricken, but he will bind us up. After two days, listen to this, after two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he will raise us up. Okay, we're not talking about Christ's death and resurrection here. We're talking about the church's death and resurrection. Um, a few months ago, I talked on the death of Christ was the birth of the church. And you see, it's a, as the church, we must share in the suffering and the process of Christ and trust that he will revive us again on the third day. I love this, that we may live in his sight, not in the way we view and see things, but in the sight of God. We now have a, view, a new view, new eyes to see as he does. A few weeks ago, Kirk and I went down to the Sounds, to the Bay of Many Coves, to meet with some friends, and um, they picked us up on their boat, which was really cool. And um, on the boats, I decided to go sit up in the front and um, just be with the Lord and take in the beauty that I was surrounded by. And um, I could not close my eyes at the pic picturesque reality in front of me, and um, it, you know. 
you know how you sometimes you, you sort of it's like close your eyes and imagine you're in some ideal place and I didn't need to do that. My eyes are like wide open. I'm like, I don't need to imagine to be anywhere else. And I said to the Lord, Lord, this is what you have done to me. When you took hold of me, you brought me into your reality that now I don't want to close my eyes. My reality is better than, than any ideal place I could be. And I don't want to close my eyes because they are wide open, surrounded by the beauty that is before me giving me an expectancy for what is ahead um, as this boat trip took me on. It's a new sight living on the side of the Lord. Verse 13, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do is forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. And here we can see how Paul unpacks what it means to respond to Christ taking hold of us we respond by taking hold um, of Christ, by forgetting what's behind and looking at what's ahead. Does that make sense? So in order to take hold of what Christ has done for us and who he is, he's saying, look ahead and forget what is behind you. And so I have a bit of a story that became um, an object lesson uh, that the Lord spoke to me through. And um, I don't know how many of you know this, but I'm kind of a big deal in the fishing world. <laughs> I know, I know, you're probably thinking, all that hidden talent in that vessel, how can it be so? I know, but um, do we have a picture of me with, ah, uh, look at that. I told you, I told you, right? So, as I mentioned, Kirk and I were in the sounds visiting these friends, and these friends of ours are quite keen fishermen, and um, we were invited to partake in a fishing trip. Now, me, the most unqualified, inept, uh, totally not fisher materi fisherman material, um, was sort of like, oh yeah, cool, you know, but um, bait is stinky. Um, I get I get really bad sickness on on boats. Um, I couldn't remember the last time I touched a rod, and so there was nothing really calling my name on this trip. Um, and you know, so but but they said, look, we've got this cool fishing spot, and uh, next thing I know, I'm on a boat heading into the unfamiliar, unknown world of fishing. And uh, we're on this boat, and it's loaded with everything we need to fish. Um, and I was thinking about how, you know when, G when John the Baptist came, and he said, um, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. It's like the invite has gone out, and now you know it's coming. So what do you do in the coming you know it's approaching. I know this fishing trip is approaching. I've said yes. It's a thought. And the day is going to come where now I need to step on. Let my yes be my yes. Um, and that's what I did. I stepped on the boat, unqualified, inept, and ill-equipped. And as the, the boat drew uh, to the wharf, my yes, that was a thought, now became an action. 
okay, stepping on, not knowing where we're going or what I was in for. From the wharf to the fishing spots, I rested on the safety of that boat that held every resource we would need to catch this fish. Um, and, you know, I just want to point out that none of what was on that boat or that resource belonged to me. I, I stepped on with nothing, okay? And, and like I said, totally unqualified for what we're about to go into. And off it took me into this new world. So with a new view, a new adventure, knowing that I was very far from the perfect fisherman, I embraced what was around me and what I had already received, even to that point. Even being invited to go, it was like, all right, I'm going to go and I'm going to embrace what's ahead. Um, It's... Sorry, it's amazing how Paul says um, that we, we are to lay hold of Christ and not look back. You know, when I was on that boat, not once did I look back and think about what was going on at the wharf or at the home that we left, but I was looking ahead to where we were going and this, and this fishing spot. Um, we got to the fishing spot and it was now time <laughs> to use the rod and to put the bait on it, <laughs> and, and I was um, shown how to, how to put the bait on and how to reel the line. Um, lots of patience and care from my, from my teacher was required, but I listened intently, and I was quite hungry to learn at that point, and I lay hold of the rod given to me, and I cast it into deep blue sea. That anchor hits, hey, next minute, <laughs> abundance, abundance of fish. And I mean, it was like, um, not, I was like so surprised that I even caught a fish, but it was like the number of fish I was catching and the beauty and the array and the color of these incredible fish was just glorious and seamless. Um, and I have a clear point to make here on this and that, you know, when Jesus takes hold of us and takes himself to us, to, to himself is for himself. It might just start with a yes and a thought and, and then a stepping out, but then he transports us into his life. We say yes to the person, but then we're also saying yes to his life, which means now we're saying yes to your sight, yes to your intention, yes to how you lived. I'm saying yes, not just to you, Christ, and you teaching me, but I'm saying yes to your life. And so he locates us to his new kingdom where he is now ruling and reigning with care and love. But in it, there's so much abundance. There's so much glory. There's, everything becomes brighter and more colorful in Christ. Does not mean we don't have hard things that happen around us in life. It, we're not excused from that. But that, it, that Him in us, we're living from Him. That is our world. That is our sphere. That is where we live from. And the view is very different from outside. Very different. And it's seamless. I used the word effortless and Kirk, Kirk said, oh, effortless, because I don't want to confuse that we don't put effort um, 
towards the Lord. What I'm saying is, when we truly take hold of him and pursue him and make him our own, life in him is seamless. It's, it's, not, it's not an earning to be loved by him. It's not an earning of salvation. It's just a receiving and taking him as your own and possessing him because that's what he wants, Right? It's rich and generous in nature, life in him, held in the rhythms of grace. It's a glory and freedom that we have never known. Paul reminds us, even though he is not perfect yet, he was the least of men worthy to be called by Christ. And yet when Jesus took hold of Paul, he was born again and he became alive to Christ. Coming alive to Jesus means we're transferred into his kingdom, seeing as he does we find that not only are we in a new foreign world, which might be foreign at first, but he has made us a new creation that is fit, that is fit for this new world, equipped and able to become all that he's called us for. Now, back on that boat, everyone was like, who is this able fisherman? And uh, it was so funny because weeks later, Kirk had this dream um, <laughs> of me on this boat catching a fish. But the fish was so big that um, I was like, that's all right. I'm just going to change my rod for a spear and jump in. <laughs> and I came out with a marlin. And I'm like, <laughs> and, you know, and it cracks me up because I was, I was thinking about that verse, you know, where it says... Um, where is it? The kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and the violence take it by force. And honestly, I think the people that invited me on that trip were like, who is this animal? Like, I was like, forced, like, I took hold of that rod. I was in there. I was like, you invited me. I'm here, you know? And it's like, this life in Christ, it's like, take hold of it. Take hold of what he's given us. He's equipped us and made all things sufficient that we would take hold and come into what he has died for. And other people watch and then they see the potential of what Christ is doing in a person and then they they start having visions of what is possible. This is the possible realm in Christ. It's insane. (laughs) Um, so now I don't have a picture. I wish um, we couldn't find a good picture, but it's a picture of um, Kirk. <laughs> With this little fish, this big. And then, and then I've got one line and I've got these two suckers like this big. You know, and they say size doesn't matter. But it does. And I learned in this case that the size of the fish, if they weren't at an adequate size, seriously now, (laughs) um, what you would have to do is take hold of them and pull the hook out and release them back into the ocean. Now, you should have seen me, okay, because I... My heart was so sore seeing those fish, me catching it, and then... I knew that its survival was limited time of me taking hold of it, pulling that hook out, and throwing it back in. 
And I know it sounds silly, but really, this is how the Lord found me, struggling, suffering with a hook in my mouth. And the Lord had to act quickly. And if he did not take hold of me, I would not be free. It's the heart of God. He doesn't want to see us in survival, living as slaves when he's made us a bride. And he will take hold of us firmly to set us free. And it's the only way. Now, I know I'm like making a joke and boasting about my fishing, but honestly, we all know I can't boast about a thing. I stepped on that boat with nothing, unqualified, and I know that everything that was on that boat was, was prepared, it was thought of, it was all resource, not that belonged to me, but it was all there for me to use and to become and able to do what the trip was about. When I was found, I was dead in my sin, and nothing about me possessed godly qualities. There was nothing I could do to earn salvation other than allow salvation to draw near and lay hold of me. Peter, as a fisherman, by learning through Christ, in the making Christ in him, he became a fisher of men. From disqualified to qualified. And as Jesus reminded Peter, you know, after Peter denied Christ, he reminded Peter to look forward and not to look back. And we cannot afford to look back. And I was thinking about a time when I did look back. Um, and <clears throat> I was asked to, to share God's word to others. And um, I just had this super insecure moment. Um, and it was my past that had popped up this 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 memory that I had and um, kind of reminded me of how unqualified I am to share anything profound. Um, And I was 16 and we were on a school camp and uh, one night um, we had like a fun games type evening and uh, the the class, we had to get into groups and then do some acts and... um, uh, skits and plays and things like that. And um, this one group stood up uh, in line, and uh, their whole act was making jokes about one person, and uh, that person was me. And uh, it was, <laughs> I'm like laughing, like crying. <laughs> but the whole the whole lineup was jokes about Mel being a dumb blonde. Okay, now there was this. One joke in particular from this guy who said, um, Mel is like a lava lamp, pretty to look at, but not so bright. And everyone laughed. Now, you can laugh. You're allowed to laugh. Kirk was like trying not to laugh. laugh. I'm like, don't take me back there, boy. <laughs> but anyway, um, and, and without even knowing it, you know, the Lord, like that just popping up, it was like, if I allow my past to dictate what God is asking me to do now, I'm being stuck, I'm getting stuck in the past, and I'm, you know, I'm going to the Lord with it um, in that moment, and 
and it was funny because when that happened, all my like girlfriends were like trying to be nice about it. And they're like, oh, what? He called you pretty. I'm like, oh my gosh, like, maybe we really are not bright, like, surrounded by not bright people, like, you know, but, but listen, without Christ, we're not bright. I'm sorry, that is it. We are in, we are in a dim place because the light of God brings us into the mysteries, the excellencies, the wisdom of things hidden from before time and for generations to come. And without Christ, we are in the shadows. So it's not even offensive, it's true. <laughs> it was true at the time, <laughs> so I'm okay with that. Um, but you know, when I was speaking to the Lord about it, you know, just sort of having a bit of a pity party with him, he said, Melissa, the day you became qualified in handling my word was the day you allowed my word to handle you. And that, at the end of the day, is where it began for me, when Christ, the Word, took hold of me. Life took on a whole new definition. And the privilege to share His Word, to share Christ with anyone at any time, is a privilege. Verse 14, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Now, I've shared on how Christ lay hold of us. I've talked about how we take hold of Christ by looking forward and not looking back. But now I want to focus briefly on why Christ took hold of us. Because this is what the prize is, and this is the upward call, is that we would sit with him on his throne, as his bride, reigning with him over nations, ministering to his people, being ministers of who he is. This is our future, okay? And, imp- and Paul implores us to look ahead. Lament- Lamentations 1.9 says, Her uncleanness was on her skirts, She did not seriously consider her future. Therefore, she has come down from from throne to slave in an astonishing manner. She has no comforter. O Lord, cries Jerusalem, look at my affliction. Listen to this. For the enemy has magnified himself in triumph. In Ephesians, it says, God put all things at the feet of Christ and made Christ the head over the church. Picture this with me. God made all things under the feet of Christ and he made him head over all things of the church, which is his body. Because of Christ, the triumph of Christ, We live above the world. The war between Satan and seed has been won. We are the seed of inheritance. It is ours for the taking. It says says in Romans, God says, shortly you will crush Satan under your feet. This is the call of the church. This is the authority and the power we have in Christ. 
And if we deny what Christ has done for us when he took hold of us, if we deny that by allowing Satan to be magnified in triumph, we are letting him win. What does that say about how we value and love what Christ did for us? To live as slaves when we are brides, Yeah, that's an astonishing fall. Family, as I said, God did not just think about saving us. He took the strongest action towards us by saving us through his son. If we have not received the personal experience of Christ laying hold of us, we will not have the conviction that our God is not just of talk, but of action, but of power. So when he promises us a future, a divine destiny, destiny, we must know and lay hold of what is ours to possess. It's not just talk, but it's already been actioned through Christ Jesus, and now it's for us to possess. Verse 15, it says, Therefore let us, as many as are mature, have this mind, share in this mind of what Christ has done for us, the seriousness that what he did to lay hold of his church, to bring her to himself, to make her for himself, We are to take hold of him. That is what we need to share in mind. And if anything, you think otherwise. Okay, if you're sitting here today and you're thinking otherwise and you're not sure about what I'm saying, I'm going to pray that God reveals it because it's for all of us to come into this future hope, this future glory, by possessing what we have already attained to the degree that we already have in us. Okay, it's not about who has more, who has less. It's about God saying, are you faithful for what you already have? What are you doing with what already you have? Are you possessing what already you have? Because when we exercise what is already there, we see the increase. We see the abundance. Okay, if I did not pick up the fishing rod and put it in the water, I was not going to experience all those beautiful fish. If I did not say yes, and my yes was just a nice, cool thought, yes, I might go on Sunday, yes, I might do fivefold, do what you say. Say what you do. I love it. It says, it says, Jesus taught and then did what he taught. No, Jesus did and then he taught what he did. Does that make sense? Well, my point is, <laughs> he, he actioned and then he spoke, okay? He put things into being, into motion, and then he spoke. And, um, yeah. All right, I'm going to pray. Lord, I thank you. I thank you for your overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love that it took hold of us. You came, you left your place of glory, and you came to take hold of your people. 
Father, you, you, laid your, you sent your only son and Christ laid your life down that we would come into the upward call, the heavenly call to be made your bride. I thank you for that, Lord. I thank you for true transformation in you. I thank you that life in you is a change of scenery. Life in you is a change of hearts. Life in you is, is so contrast to the world of slavery. And Lord, I praise your people. We will not sit um, under slavery anymore. I pray that we would know the value, the power of who you are in us, that what that does for us, it brings us into your very life. So I thank you. I thank you for who you are. I thank you for your word that saves us. I thank you for your goodness and your kindness towards us. I thank you that you saved us even when we were against you, even when we were sinners. Father, you came and you took hold of us. And I bless you for that today and I praise you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, everyone.